Welcome to Today on Broadway for Monday, December 5th, 2022. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. And I'm Tell Me on a Sunday podcast, Grace Aki. And the hero of my heart, because you <laughs> really saved the day on Sunday, Grace. You and I were supposed to go see A Man of No Importance at Classic Stage Company. I went down there. I texted you. I was like, hey, you're coming from Jersey. I'm here. I'm going to go over <laughs> to Taco Bell and have lunch and wait. And then I'm going to go over to the theater and I'll meet you there. Great. Half an hour before the show, I finish up my my Taco Bell. I walk over to the theater, and on the door, there's a sign that says, both the matinee and evening <laughs> performance of A Man of No Importance have been canceled due to a COVID case in the company. I text you a picture of the thing, uh, of the sign. You call me. It probably was 13 seconds. You texted me the photo, and I immediately called you and said, this is what we're doing. Yeah, I didn't even know if the picture had gone through, to be honest with you. You called. And we ended up at Circle in the Square Theater seeing uh, K-pop, which is a show that you've talked about how much you love it. I'll be honest with you. I've talked about how much I was like fascinated by the off-Broadway production. I was a little nervous about seeing it on Broadway just because I'm always like when there's shows that don't have great word of mouth and, you know, the great reviews. I'm like, do I want to put a spot for this in my 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 trip? But my God, I am so I mean, I'm not happy that I didn't get to see a man of no importance, but I'm so, so glad that I got to see K-pop because I absolutely loved every single thing about it. Like I leaned over to you multiple times in the show and was like, this is like, the, I, I love this. Like, this is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> this is so much fun. And it was great. So I thank you for like, just because you were in Times Square when you got my message and you ran up to circle in the square made sure we had tickets and it was such a balm and so much fun and such a joyous theatrical experience that i absolutely uh would have i mean I, I wouldn't have known but like i would have been angry at myself for not having seen it oh that's so good to hear no shout out again to O&M. like that was, it was incredible like I, i've i've been so fortunate to get to see the show in so many iterations and so getting to see it an, again with new um additions cuts edits like truly a, a brand new show and um getting to see it with you was also awesome but i apologize in advance because i was doing some of the choreography in my seat uh because they you have were. released some on tiktok so i <laughs> was like um, gin and tonic, oh, chef's kiss um, from Artemis. It's just such a great, fun show. And it's also just like, there are just certain lines that really hit home for me, especially for a lot of people. Yeah. I think you saw me jolt a couple yeah. of times. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like you, as if I had never heard them. Yeah. And, and yet you have heard them your entire life. I have heard them my entire life. And so there are a lot of moments that I'm sure people that don't have the lived experiences of the same people on stage they might not immediately identify, but I think everybody has family stories. I think everybody has success stories and failure stories. And um, it's just, it's it's a wild ride. And those people are giving you everything. And I just want to shout this out. Zachary Noah Pizer was not a dancer. Did you know this? I did not. This he was the first amazing. time he's ever danced. Yes. I mean, he's, like he's, he's probably great. danced in life, but he, you know, he's been in Evan Hansen. He's, he's in Heart of Rock and Roll. Like he, he's done all these shows, but like never to the level of this like he was not a dancer first and he's like i'm i'm, I'm working so hard and i'm like dude you are giving <laughs> like i i have i don't have spreadsheets for like the tony categories yet <laughs> yeah. which i nor and i might not but i used to like i think he's like a legitimate featured actor yes. and a musical candidate like I mean, I don't know what else is going to be out there, but like Brad from Queens, give it yeah, up. <laughs> I would not have a problem with him 
um, being in that conversation because I thought he was spectacular. Speaking of heart of rock and roll, I did see mm. Merrily We Roll Along on Sunday night um, <laughs> with uh, Katie Rose Clark. But uh, I was I gonna get, say, yeah, like um, we can talk about that. I mean, I paid for the ticket, so uh, openings be damned. But I mean, Ooh. I mean, I I tweeted gobsmacked after I saw it because I, I was in the front row, so. <laughs> Because of course I was, but anyway, we can talk about of all of that. Of course you are, and I, yeah, I'm like, who do, what organ do I have to sever to see that show at some point? I, 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 I will have to, but I'm excited for you to have done it, and I'm glad that all these people are freaking out about it. So good, I was, good I, <laughs> I was within arm's length of like mm. Daniel and Jonathan and Lindsay. Oh my God, I love <sighs> Lindsay Mendez so much. Like I know. with all of those, huge you and I gigantic- with the dog, uh, yeah, dog fight. Like yeah. we're just like forever fans. <laughs> yeah, a little different in, in our fandom and how much we love certain people from that show. <laughs> Completely so sure. different, but nonetheless, we love the dog fight. I I worship Lindsay Mendez. Like you can't take your eyes off her. Despite the fact that there are these like huge major stars. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. We have tons of news to get to. So we actually need to talk about real theater news because on Friday, something that Ashley and I teased because Ticketmaster fumbled the bag on this one and let everybody know before it was actually announced. But the new Britney Spears musical Once Upon a One More Time will be coming to Broadway this spring, but not this spring season. The show will be opening at the Marriott Marquis Theater in June after it begins performances on May 13th. The opening day will officially be Thursday, June 22nd. It will be one of the first productions of the 2023-24 season. Ashley and I talked last week about how like there's a lot of shows that are choosing to say forget the regular uh, theatrical schedules and we're going to open up in the summer because we are so confident in what we're doing grace you and i have interviewed the choreographing and directing team keone and mari madrid mm, who will be making them. their um broadway debuts mm-hmm. their directing you know real directing debuts in terms of like a book musical um look if you love I I mean, look, I I think if you love Anne Juliet, if you love K-pop, like if you love Into the Woods, like there's a lot of like DNA that weaves in between of all of those shows. So Moulin Rouge, Max Martin has three musicals on Broadway next year. That's insane. Absolutely incredible. So I love the idea of this show. I love the, I don't know, basicness sounds bad, but I mean, like it's the... It's very much to me harkens back to like the original Broadway, like in the early 1900s, where it was just like a bunch of pop songs and like a a story built around those, if at all. But like, I don't I'm not I know a lot of people are mad about jukebox musicals, but like when you take really popular and familiar songs and actually do a story. I would prefer that over a bio musical, but like, I'm not mad about this. And I know a lot of people not are, but like are annoyed that this is taking up a Broadway house. (laughs) The only thing that did interest me that I saw, of course, Twitter's not a totally reliable source, but someone mentioned the other day that like the music, because I'm not 100% certain I didn't see it out of town, but that the music, the lyrics changed on the like the character. Like, so it's not like mm. somebody will just burst into toxic, like by Britney Spears, like the the words have changed and altered depending on who the character is singing about, like to to be based on the musical itself. So I the only re- so mm. I mentioned that to say that like that might be confusing for people that are wanting to sing along and like listen to familiar songs. If you're changing those songs, um, that that kind of proves a little bit of a difference. So um, I'm curious to see if that uh, that change sticks. 
Yeah, and it had a really, it's had a, a lot of really interesting people attached with it throughout its developmental process, both with readings yeah. and workshops in the out of town. My trials. understanding is not a lot of those people from yes. the out of town are transferring, so we will be curious to give you all the lowdown and the tea for the casting update. Yeah. I will say that fingers crossed for Justin yeah. Gorney. Yeah, the, one of the people who was in the show out of town who sang the song that you just mentioned uh, about thirty seconds ago. I think she's got another gig that's going to be announced here fairly soon. So I guess that character is going to have to be recast, but we will have to wait and see. All right, Grace, after we saw K-pop, I went to Merrily. You went to the opening night of A Beautiful Noise, the Neil Diamond musical. That show did officially open on Sunday night. We're going to run through some of the reviews. It's not the only show we have to do reviews for, so I'm going to do them kind of in brief. Uh, but of course, we will have links to all of the review roundup stuff that is available in the show notes if you want to check that out. As you can kind of guess from the title, this is a musical based on the life of Neil Diamond. He, of course, is the writer of all of the music and lyrics for the show. It is It has a book by Anthony McCartan and is directed by Michael Mayer and choreographed by Stephen Hoggett, who you got locked out of the theater with tonight, which is an absolutely oh. hilarious story. Um, but it is playing so upsetting, but I'm glad we all got to see the show at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. Grace was working it. So she was coming in right at the last minute, along with Stephen Hoggett, the man who choreographed the show and the house manager would not let them in because they were late, which is hilarious. Um, producer Ken Davenport, uh, had to get them in, but good for them. Uh, very funny. Um, it's playing at the Broadhurst theater and has a, a really wonderful, uh, cast in the show. It's led by Will Swenson, who is the primary Neil Diamond in the show. The older version of the character is played by the great Mark Jacoby. Everybody's favorite Robin Herter is also in the show. Um, and uh, I know your friend, uh, Jess Laproto is that how you say his last name? Jess Laprato is in Leprato. it. Tatiana Lofton, who just celebrated her 30th birthday and made her Broadway debut this weekend. Um, Mimi Scardula. Like, I'm telling you, this ensemble Tom is Allen Robbins. Tom Allen Robbins, by the way. You want to talk about a crossover of Little Shop with Tatiana and Tim. Mm -hmm. um, and then also a Newsies uh, backstory because Jess Prado and Tim opened Newsies on Broadway at the Nederlander together. So um, there were a lot of, like, through lines of, like, past worlds of mine. But I just want to say, like, that ensemble is stacked. I know that we talk and we're going to talk about Robin Herter and Will specifically and Mark Jacoby, who is Chef's Kiss, which I will get into. But, mm -hmm. like, that ensemble is dancing for their freaking life. Unreal. The first thing on Thanksgiving that when I saw my mom, she talked about was Mimi Scardula. Like, because, yeah. <laughs> of course, again, you know my love for We Are the Tigers, and she was fantastic in that. And so I've There's like, a reason she has been a, a showstopper, for sure. Wasn't, was she in Once Upon a One More Time out of town? She was in that, and she also did Heart of Rock and Roll, speaking of. There we go. Um, I believe she was dance captain there, too. So she's, uh, I she's mean, amazing. stunning. She's great. Love her. So much. So great. Um, all right. So at this point, the review aggregator site, Did They Like It, has collected 15 reviews, if I'm doing my math correctly. One of them is positive. Six are mixed and eight are negative. We're going to start with the New York Times. Elizabeth Vincent Telly did the review for this one. Uh, she said, quote, a 1986 profile in the New York Times described him, Neil Diamond, in these words, Olympian aspiration, raw aggression, and agonizing self-doubt. As unlikely as this might sound, it is that last trait that forms the narrative engine of A Beautiful Noise, the Neil Diamond musical. The ambitious, often rousing, occasionally heavy-handed biographical show that opened on Broadway on Sunday at the Broadhurst Theater. I will say, 
I, I love Elizabeth doing features. When she writes reviews, she basically just does a plot synopsis, which I don't love. Uh, but her her review was mixed, but um, I'll have a link where you can check all of that out. Uh, Juan Michael Porter II, writing for Did They Like It, said, quote, And though the show successfully adheres to its formulaic logic, its paper-thin analysis of what makes Diamond gloomy, the supposed raison d'etre of this affair, left me bored. Which begs the question, why not dispense with the drama and simply put on a tribute concert? Brittany Samuel, writing for Broadway News, said, quote, When done most successfully, the genre reveals something new about its subject, rather than simply regurgitating life events. Instead, this lackluster pseudo-memoir wagers on nostalgia and a charming frontman to keep the good times feeling good. Ultimately, it's a losing bet. I do want to point out that Chris Jones, writing for the New York Daily News, was the lone positive in the roundup, saying, quote, The piece will, I think, be a box office hit. Guys will agree to go when their partners buy a ticket, and all will leave feeling like they went back for a while to a few nicer September morns than we usually get these days. I think that's a little reductive to say that, like, guys will go when their partners buy tickets, but that's neither here nor there. That's a Broadway audience, though. I mean, that's just it's true. That, yes, absolutely. <laughs> the women are ticket buyers uh, in, in this case. But um, so not great. I, I think everyone can kind of assume this show is what we all would think it would be. It's a show for people who love Neil Diamond music. Great performances from um, from, as we talked about, Robin Herter and Will Swenson and everybody in the cast, that ensemble that you mentioned. But I don't know that anyone expected every, anything to be revelatory about this. So if you like Neil Diamond, if you want to see those people doing great choreo and singing cool songs on stage, you'll probably like it. If if you want if you need Hamlet or something else from a musical, this might not be the one for you. Well, funny you should mention Hamlet because they describe Neil Diamond as Hamlet several times in the Did show. Really? So look at you. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I haven't seen it. I, don't, I didn't know that. So, uh, all right, moving on to another show. And this one is a little confusing because on, on Friday's show, I said I would be back with a review roundup for Ain't No Mo because it opened last week on Thursday night, except for no one told me that they weren't allowed to re- release the reviews on the press opening night. It was very confusing. Grace, can you give me a little background since you are um, connected with this show. What the hell happened with this review on Thursday night? (laughs) So essentially what happened was Jordan E. Cooper, um, unfortunately got COVID right as reviewers were meant to see the show. Um, So some people had to reschedule their tickets. Um, A lot of reviewers had to move some things around to make sure that they could see it. I mean, some of them had to come to opening. Like there was, there was a lot of um, shuffling that had to go on, but they didn't want to change all of, the protocols that we had put in place for opening night itself. So they, um, we all agreed, I think, with the reviewers and everything that we would just stagger throughout the weekend because it was a Thursday night opening. And um, that's what happened. But I don't think that that was totally communicated to all of the press, um, especially for people like us that, you know, do a review roundup. So that's uh, that's what happened. That's what you missed on Glee. So now we're finally getting to talk about the reviews for Ain't No Mo. And just reminding you all before we even get into it, that Off-Broadway, it was a critic's pick. I'll let you go, Matt. Yeah, not a critic's pick this time, which is interesting to me, but um, not all the reviews are out yet. There is actually no 
did they like it round up for this one yet, which is I thought was a little surprising. Um, It'll probably be finalized by in the next 48 hours because I agree with you. Yeah. Um, Okay. So Ain't No Mo, written by Jordan E. Cooper, as you mentioned, also starring Jordan E. Cooper. It is directed by Stevie Walker Webb. As you said earlier, when it played off Broadway at the Public Theater in 2018, it was a New York Times critics pick. And I would say reading through, again, Elizabeth Vincentelli, coincidence that she did the latest two Broadway reviews? Shrug emoji? Maybe? maybe Is somebody out? Is somebody not? Is somebody busy right now? I mean, maybe it's COVID. Maybe it's something we'll talk about here. Maybe it's the bench, darling. (laughs) We'll get there. Um, All right. But again, she she does far too much of a recap of a show for my liking in her reviews. But I will say after she kind of tells a little bit too much about what happens in the opening scene, which I'm not going to spoil for you if you don't want to hear it. But she says, quote, Starting on such an expansive note is a bold move for Cooper, a 27-year-old writer making his Broadway debut. But Ain't No Mo, which opened on Thursday at the Belasco Theater, bursts with confidence. It is confident in its voice, in its beliefs, in its artistry, in its wicked humor and angry pain, or pain-laden anger. It is also confident that Stevie Walker Webb's production and the cast, both of which are largely unchanged from the play's premiere at the Public Theater, can handle it all. That seems like something that would warrant a critic's pick, Grace. I don't get to make those decisions, but that seems like a critic's pick to me, but who knows at this point. So challenging when uh, the same cast and the same production, essentially, is getting to be remounted on Broadway and it isn't given the same uh, flowers that it was off. It's just, it is puzzling to me, just generally speaking, because I've never seen something like this. Um, So to have it be a New York Times critics pick uh, at some point by Jesse and then the review by Elizabeth, but I'm sure that it's probably hard to have a reviewer review the same show twice. Um, Yeah. So Um, Jackson McHenry writing for Vulture said, quote, it is a delight to have Jordan E. Cooper kick down the door of Broadway in heels and storm on stage with something as raucous as ain't no mo. The show's whirly gig satire seems to gain momentum by sending up its very environs, a series of sketches built around a recurring conceit wherein Cooper, in drag as a flight attendant named Peaches, desperately tries to coordinate the onboarding for a government-funded flight taking black Americans back to Africa. It's a show that's bawdy and bold and uninterested in seeming respectable, but it's also fascinated by respectability. The question of who might leave or stay on that flight, who might embrace their blackness, and who might try to bury it. Cooper sees you there in the audience thinking he might have buttoned up his ideas for the Blasco Theater. And he cackles in defiance. Great review. Love that. Just, I mean, great writing. Um, And the last one I'll talk about is Naveen Kumar, writing for Variety, said, quote, Written by and starring Jordan E. Cooper, Ain't No Mo wrangles rhetorical fantasy with a rollicking high-concept sitcom, mining dark comedy from the horrors of racism and the particulars of black life. Explosive as a hand grenade of laughing gas, it's heady and hysterical and fearlessly provocative. Its keen observations about race as both social construct and lived reality crackle like a lit fuse. With a dynamic cast of six taking on a dizzying array of characters, Ain't No Mo, produced on Broadway by a team led by Lee Daniels, is a daring and uproarious feat of performance that is thrillingly alive at the moment. I'm really sad, Grace, that the reviews had to be done the way that they were, which I'm sure that you Mm -hmm. all are too, because like... Every one of them, even Elizabeth Vincentelli's, which I said reads more like a a synopsis than a review, 
they're all great. And, I, and I'm sorry that this show is not going to have the opportunity to capitalize on like the, the full wave and title pool of reviews because it probably needs it. And the reviews are great. And I'm excited to see it later this week. I think it's one of the most important pieces of theater that I've ever had the privilege of being even associated with. And I think that Jordan is such a star, which I'm not the first person to say that. So it's not like I've discovered something, but um, I just want to say, I think it's a beautiful, it's, it's a stupendous piece of work. And if you feel like going to see that show, run to the box office right now and make sure that you have a ticket, take advantage of today ticks and go across the street because I developed cute, signature cocktails and one non-alcoholic option called airplane mode so if you go to gatsby's landing you have me to thank you do <laughs> absolutely um all right we referenced uh the fact that we saw k-pop on sunday we referenced some of the issues going on around k-pop ashley and i talked about the pushback that a number of members of the cast uh had for the review from jesse green who has not reviewed a show since then um but the producers of the show, Tim Forbes and Joey Parnes, issued a response to Jesse Green's review in the form of a letter that I believe was initially and perhaps in other places, but initially released by Tara Rubin Casting, who did the casting for the show. It is addressed to A.G. Salzberger, who is the chairman of the New York Times Company, and Nicole Harrington, who is the theater editor. And I'm not going to read all of it because it is like seven, eight slides, but I'll, I'll read at least the beginnings of it. And, and one of the pieces that I think was especially important, it said, dear Mr. Salzberger and Miss Harrington, we are the producers of the recently opened Broadway musical K-pop, and we are writing to ask that you issue an apology to the cast and creators of our show for the insensitive and frankly offensive review written by Jesse Green. To be clear, we respect Mr. Green's right to be critical of the show. What we are asking you to address is the cultural insensitivity underlying ignorance of and distaste for K-pop as a genre and what comes across as casual racism in his review. That this would be the case in the New York Times is, frankly, astonishing. Um, it goes in to talk about some of the things that Ashley and I already talked about on Thursday, so I, I will skip some of those slides. But what I want to uh, talk about here are two slides that kind of get into this idea of what you have to know or be connected to or see yourself in to actually understand and appreciate a show. The letter continues, beyond specific words, Mr. Green's view that if, quote, you don't understand Korean, you will have a harder time enjoying this show is simply not borne out by the audience reaction he himself witnessed and has demonstrated in several of the comments now appended to the review. In fact, only a small fraction of the dialogue is in Korean, and the meaning is generally comprehensible in the, sp in the specific context, which he surely knows. The comment smacks of a dog whistle. Is a Broadway show only valid if it is centered on and catering exclusively to a white English-speaking audience. And then the, the letter continues, Mr. Green's ignorance of and distaste for K-pop as a genre leads to the odd and, again, dismissive and diminishing comment that there are, quote, only three instrumentalists. K-pop music is an overwhelmingly electronic music that takes effort and talent to produce. The score is at one with the genre and brings a new sonic vocabulary to Broadway. Not to mention the, per the person who produced it is the first ever Asian woman composer on Broadway, and yet Mr. Green offers no acknowledgement of of that also goes on to talk about everything that is very authentic to k-pop from the over this is the quotes minutely detailed choreography to the costumes all of those things and grace you and i had this conversation after seeing the show like i don't know anything about k-pop like i know very little about k-pop I know, I know bts and that's really about it um pop music just in general whether it is k-pop or a pop i guess are not my thing 
I did not ever feel like I didn't understand what was going on. I didn't ever feel like I didn't like uh, anything about this was out of the ordinary. Like this seemed perfectly authentic and perfectly realistic. And I felt like, even though the show's not perfect, there's, there's issues with it, but like, it felt like a very natural telling of a story that felt very much like it could be something that even if it's not technically based on real story, uh, based on a real story could have been based on real stories from K-pop. So it, it, I, I completely agree with the producers taking umbrage with yeah. some of the things that Jesse pointed out. It's not, that's the thing. No one is upset by a critique of a piece of art when you're critiquing a culture, <laughs> especially like, yeah. I mean, I hate this. I hate that I am even saying this, but especially in this moment, I mean, for two years, you know, I have talked about it and I don't mean to bring this into the show like intensely, but like you have to, just, this is part I, of the, this is part of the story. <laughs> it has to. Asian people have been just like relentlessly persecuted and and bullied and um, hurt physically and and financially and just like every tier of what has happened since um, someone who shall not be named said the words China virus. And ever since then, there has been an insane ripple effect. And so for there this historic besides it being historic for this beautiful, fun piece of theater to to have these insensitive uh, pieces of language in in that review makes no sense. Like, you're right. And then those producers are correct. There were a lot of things that were just, how did this fly under the radar? How did you not talk your head to the side and say, well, we aren't printing that. You know what I mean? And so that's, it's so challenging, but I'm so thankful that um, we have this moment to acknowledge that that is unacceptable and that hopefully there is something moving forward. Because even with what you were just saying with the ain't no mo, like these are two pieces of theater that are rooted in a cultural history of a people. And the more reviews where we only have one type of person that has, has no insight to those worlds, not that they always have to, but I just, I think that this is going to change how things are critiqued and and reviewed, hopefully um, because they definitely need to. And so I'm very thankful that people are noticing that right now and not just like sweeping it under the rug. Um, I never want things, you know, like I, I hate conflict. Um, like the one character in <laughs> K-pop says, you know, I'm conflict diverse. Uh, but I think that, uh, I think this is a good moment, um, in history and I hope things change because historically Asians are erased. And, um, I think that, uh, I think this is a, a turning point. So thank you to all of those people that have reposted everybody. I mean, even Howard Ho uh, is um, Julie, who plays Ruby in the show's mm-hmm. uh, partner. He had posted this great deduction of like what each phrase that was bothersome felt like it meant um, from Jesse's post. So uh, yeah, just a lot of things on social media. You can find them everywhere, but um, we'll probably link them as well. So there yeah. you go. Yeah, I, I don't think that, and again, I'm not a reviewer at the level of Jesse Green and the New York Times and all that stuff, but I've written my share of reviews in the time. Like, I don't ever feel like a reviewer has to be, it doesn't have to have personal insight into a story. You just have to have no. empathy for the story. But take a second. Yeah, you just yeah. have to have like respect for it and do a little homework and, and ask yourself if you would review this when you're comparing something like for the very tiny, like, minutiae of there are things that are in Korean. And so that makes you feel different. Did you say the same thing with the band's visit? Did you say the same thing with other shows that have like other languages? Or do you just say that? Do you just say them when they aren't white languages? Like, you know what I mean? Or predominantly like, what is the root of this? And take a step back. That's your job. Your words are your job. 
Yep. <laughs> Agreed. All right, real quick, we are already going along, but a couple things I want to talk about real quick. We did not mention last week because it came in late that the Actors' Equity Association has reached a new three-year collective bargaining agreement with the Broadway League. No word on what the details are of that agreement have been disclosed, but the two sides have been at the bargaining table since September, and it's assumed that there's going to be a lot of changes involving understudies, swings, and additional stage managers. Um, I have not heard anything, and Grace, you might have heard more than I have, about like... 10 out of 12s and the six day work week, which are things that a lot of people have been. Everybody is trying to get rid of them. So that's the only thing that I've seen is my friends being like, we cannot do this anymore. We're dying. Yeah. So I I don't know if that's been a part of it. I'm assuming at some point that'll come out because equity will share it with its members, but don't know at this point. And we will find out eventually. And finally, Susan Laurie Parks' plays for the plague year, we've talked about it, had a truncated run due to several COVID cases uh, in the company, but the public theater has announced that it will return to Joe's Pub in April of 2023. The run dates will be officially announced in the next few weeks, and Susan Laurie Parks, who plays the writer in the show, will return. No word on the rest of the company. Obviously, that'll probably have to do with what their schedules look like, but glad if that show did not get the opportunity to finish out its run at Joe's Pub, that it will be coming back in the spring. All right. Anything else, anything you want to recommend since we are coming up on 30 minutes here other than like go see Ain't No Mo and K-pop? Yeah, go see those shows. But also like if you are a listener and you have been debating on coming back to New York City, like January is going to have so many great box office and today takes and all these other ticket initiative deals. So start making your list now and be on the lookout for Broadway week, be on the lookout for all these shows that you've wanted to support and, and save yourself. Don't come right now. Um, save yourself for January because you're going to be getting some great deals. You're going to see high quality theater. I mean, even the panel isn't just extended two weeks. So just throwing all that out there, like enjoy the holidays with your loved ones. If you, you know, like travel or all those things, but come, come back in January. We got this. Grace, are you going to make me come back in January with all these deals? Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. Thank you for listening today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW. Matt, Grace, where can people find you? You can find me on all sorts of social media at It's Grace Hockey. All right, everybody. Have a wonderful Monday. Have a wonderful week. And we'll be back to talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>